But Luke chapter number 23 this morning, if you're glad you're saved, say amen. 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 You're glad to be in church this morning, say glory. Amen. Look down at verse number 32 this morning of Luke chapter number 23. The Bible says, and there was also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Boy, talk about a savior. And one of the most, what, what the history tells, one of the most rigorous, one of the most painful, one of the most excruciating times a man could go through. And there he is looking at the very people doing it to him saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. They thought they knew who they were crucifying. They thought they knew who they had accused and what they had done, but they didn't realize all that was going on that day. Verse number 35, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription was also written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the others answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest, into thy kingdom. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, I just want to say thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for knowing how to line things up far better than I do. Thank you, Lord, for allowing things to take place, Lord, that I could never do by myself. Never have to manufacture, never have to make up. I just simply have to obey Lord, I'm thankful this morning for my Sunday school class. Lord, I taught on the very thing, Lord, you just let me experience again today in the service. And I pray, Father, this morning, God, you'd work in our hearts. Oh, Lord, when's the last time we did like those men did and we just beheld Calvary? Or we just looked at a dying Savior, bleeding and shedding his blood for all of man's sin. Oh, Father, let it never get cold in our hearts and foggy in our minds. We ask you, Lord, this morning you'd work in each and every single heart that's here this morning. God, would you take your word and God do as only you can do with it this morning. God, get down to the deep thoughts and the intents of man's heart today. Deal with us on a personal level. God, remove the distractions. God, remove the things, God, that we are worried and concerned about. And Father, help us to focus on you this morning. Lord, we love you, we thank you. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here, Lord, they didn't know what we were singing about. They've never experienced it. I pray, Lord, you'd work in their hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, would you convict them? But also remind them, Lord, there is a place called Calvary. There is an empty tomb. There is free salvation available to every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. Oh, Father, work in hearts this morning. Help us not to leave the same way we walked in, 
Well, Lord, help us to leave exactly with what you've planned for us to have this morning. Well, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We, we've come to this portion of Scripture. No doubt it's familiar. We, we, we know the story. We know the account this morning. To be honest with you, I was praying and studying and, and studying and praying and trying to figure out what the Lord would have me to preach this morning. And I had my ideas and I was trying to run them by the Lord, see if I could get his approval. And they just wouldn't work that way. And about last night, right, right before we went to bed, I just was opening up my Bible, reading through, and I came across this account, and the, the Lord just had me stop right here, and I just began to jot a few things down this morning. But this morning, we're going to look at these two men, specifically one of these men in depth, but we know the account. Jesus has been falsely accused. He's been criminalized. He's been lied on. He's been sold out by Judas. He stood before uh, Pilate, and Pilate doesn't know what to do with them, and he's they're yelling, crucify, crucify him, and so finally... He has led to the, the place called Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull, and he's carried his cross, and he's been nailed to it, but he's not there alone. He's not the only one on the cross that day. He's not the only one dying. We know the Bible tells us here this morning there's two men, one on his left and one on his right. They are dying along with the Lord. They're not dying for the same reasons. They're not dying for the same purpose, but there they are present with the Lord. There they are in the same situation, the same predicament. And one of these men makes the greatest decision of his life, while the other one makes the worst decision of his life. We're going to look at these two men by way of introduction. I want to look at the one who missed it. I want to look at the one who was so close. He literally, with his own eyeballs, could see salvation's plan playing out right before him. He saw the very Son of God. He could hear him cry out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he could hear those sayings and cries from Calvary, but he missed it. He missed it. He said, Preacher, why did the one miss it? I personally believe it's because of pride. In that position, in that place, preacher, there's no man who has pride. There's no man who has arrogancy. There's no man who thinks he knows better, and I would have to disagree with you this morning because we see through his actions and through his comments, this man's pride has got the best of him. Well, preacher, you don't have to prove that to me. Why do you think it was pride? Well, his pride warped his viewpoint. It made him unable to analyze and realize the reality that he was in and that was right before his eyes. He could not even recognize his own condition. He could not realize how bad off he already was. Here he is thinking there's some way out of this. There's, there's some way I can get out of this. There's an escape. There's a way out. There's a loophole somewhere. But what he didn't realize is that he wasn't one who was going to be condemned. He was already condemned. He was already, the, the judge, the jury had already gone through. He was guilty, and now he's paying for his consequences. See, the Lord's there because he was a sacrifice. He is laying down his life for all of mankind, but this man, he's there because of the choices he made in life. He's now living with the consequences. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. We understand that this morning. We know that this morning. And we understand that outside of the grace of God, every person one way or in some form or fashion is going to have to give an answer for the choices they made. The lost will stand before the great white throne of judgment. The saved will stand before the behemoth seat of Christ. 
We'll both give an account, but I'm thankful this morning. I'll never hear the words depart from me. I never knew you. I didn't know who you are. Rather, I'll have to stand and say, Lord, here's the best that I could do with what you gave me. And I'm looking forward to that day, but at the same time, it makes me tremble as a Christian because I know I'm not going to be able to hoodwink the Lord and, and act like everything's okay. But can I say this morning, I'm glad I'll never hear those depart from me. I never knew you. See, there's going to come a time and place for every person who without Christ dies, without the free get to salvation, they'll stand before God Almighty. Actually, they'll kneel. And God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. And we know that eternal abode in a place called hell and then eventually into the lake of fire. And here's this man, he's hanging on a tree. He has but a few breaths left and he doesn't think he's that bad off. He doesn't think he's bad off. He just wanted his problem fixed. Save thyself in us. He was one of those, I'm gonna use the Lord for my benefit. Lord, if you can save yourself, then save us. Lord, get me out of this position. God, get me out of this place. Lord, fix this problem, and then everything will be a-okay. But notice this. He has that spare tire mentality. I'll use God when I need him. But what he didn't realize is he was neglecting the very gift that wouldn't just change his life there, but change his eternity. He sided, notice this, not only did he, he had the wrong attitude, the wrong perception, but he literally sided with the crowd that just crucified him. How do you know that, preacher? Well, look down at verse number 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, who Christ, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, Save thyself. That's the crowd that was around the cross that day. They are there looking up to the Lord as he's dying and saying, if you're really God, save yourself. If you really are the Lord, get down off that cross and show us that you're really the Lord. Then verse number 39, here's the man on the cross. And one of the malefactors which were, which were hanged railed on him saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself in us. He sounds just like the crowd. That's crucified him. Well, we realize this morning when pride gets in the way, we live for a world who doesn't even want you or want us. And here's this man, his pride has, has, has caused him to see the reality of a situation. He's siding with a crowd that doesn't even want him. But the worst thing that happened, according to his pride, it caused him to miss his opportunity. Misses opportunity to get saved by the grace of God. But I'm thankful there was another man. <laughs> there was another malefactor. Oh, he had the same condition. He was in the same place. He made the same choices. This one missed out, but this one got in. And here's what I want to preach on this morning. If he can get in, you can get in too. If he can get in, anybody can get in this morning. I believe every Christian or every person can get saved like the man on the right by noticing exactly how, it, I'm gonna tell you exactly how he got in this morning. And if he can get in from where he was and, and what was going on in his life and where he was at, then my friend, you can get in too. Notice number one, how did he get in, preacher? He made an honest admission. He made an honest admission down in verse Number 40 and 41, we see him, he says, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, dost not now fear God, 
See, thou art in the same condemnation. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. We have a saying at our house, and you've probably heard it before, that honesty is always the best policy. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're doing. Honesty is always the best policy. Why? Because honesty is the only way you and I can get help this morning. If you say, oh, preacher, I want help, then I'm going to have to need you to be honest. And if I want help, then I'm going to have to be honest. If I'm not honest, then I don't really think I want help. I don't really think I need help. But rather here this morning, we're going to see that this man was honest with where he was and what had happened to him. One of the things that keep most people from getting saved is they don't want to be honest about themselves. I don't want to be honest with what I've been through, what I've done. And we like to talk about our good things. We like to talk about our successes and all the, the wonderful things we've accomplished in our life. But when it comes to salvation, yes, we need to be honest about the good things, but we also need to be honest about the bad things. Those things that we hope nobody ever finds out about us. Those things we did that we're ashamed of. Those things we said that we wish we had never said, but we can't go back and unsay them. And we've got to be honest, or you have to be honest about those things this morning. This thief got in because he was willing to be honest about himself. Notice he was willing to be honest about his condemned placement. Verse number 40. See, he's not like the other thieves saying, I'm going to get out of here. Lord, you're my ticket off this cross. Lord, you just come down, undo me, and we'll walk on happily and everything will be fine. This fellow on the right side being honest said, I, I'm not waiting to be condemned. I already am. He said, that's why I'm hanging here. That's why my hands are nailed to a tree and my feet are nailed to the cross. That's why I'm bleeding. That's why I'm dying because I already am condemned. Jesus said it this way when he was talking to Nicodemus. In John chapter three, verse 18, he said, he that believeth not is condemned already. In essence, this morning, it's not a, if I do enough good, maybe, hopefully, wonderfully, maybe one day I'll get to go to heaven. No, that's not how it works because outside of the grace of God, because of sin and our sin nature and our choice to sin and, and all of our failures and all of our faults, because of all that this morning, outside of the grace of God, we already stood and stand condemned. We're already guilty. There's no trial. There is no proof of evidence to get out of that without the grace of God this morning. What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean that you won't argue your way into heaven, nor will you argue your way out of hell. It's already settled. It's already set up that if you reject the free gift of salvation, if you reject, like the man said, I don't want none of you, Lord. You just get me off this cross. Let me go back to my life. I don't really care about you. I just want out of this. If you take that position and you let pride of influence you that way, you're condemned already. You're already guilty. How do you know, preacher, because I was in the same place? Every man born of woman, every child, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman that's ever been born has found themselves because of sin in the Garden of Eden and the sin that we commit and our sin nature, we are all in the same position. I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm just simply preaching that as one who knew and knows exactly where you are and what you're going through and what you're thinking about and what you're pondering. And I, can I say, I, I asked the same questions. I pondered the same things. I wondered the same issues. But then finally one day, April 3rd, 2015, I said, you know what? I know exactly where I am. I know where I'm headed to. And I don't want to go there anymore. He, is, he had a condemned placement Notice, well, he had a correct assessment. Verse number 41, he said, we indeed justly. He said, ain't no accident, I'm up here. 
He said, it's not by mistake. The, the Roman government and all that have put me here, they didn't put me here by accident. You ever met somebody who nothing's ever their fault? Boy, then people drive me crazy. Because <laughs> ain't nobody perfect. Right? And you'll watch them break something. You'll watch them mess something up. You'll say, why? That wasn't me. I remember working at Sonic, a man stole over $3,000 worth of food product out of the freezer, had him on the camera putting the trash bags that were full of stuff into his car, and he said, that ain't me. <laughs> then who is? I don't know, but that ain't me. But this man that got in, this man that got saved said, I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. I'm paying for the consequences of my choices. He said, I know who I am. I know what I've done. There was a correct assessment. He was getting the just reward for his actions. That's why we talk about the great white throne of judgment. God says, depart from me. I never knew you. There's never a rebuttal. There's never an argument. There's never a, no, Lord, you're wrong about this one. You're wrong about me, Lord. Any person who stands before God Almighty and hears those words are going to say, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm earning the reward for my actions. I'm paying the wage for my sin. There's no argument there. But can I say this morning, it's going to take that same realization now that I don't deserve to be saved by the grace of God. I don't deserve for Christ to have died for me. I don't deserve to have peace and joy. And I understand that this morning, I didn't earn my salvation. I'm not talking as a goody two-shoes and somebody who's been good and so God blessed me with favor and all that wonderful stuff. I'm nothing more than a sinner saved by the grace of God this morning who God changed his life and gave me something I could not find in the world. But I had to make a correct assessment. I am a sinner. I've done wrong. I've messed up. Notice verse number 41. Also, there's a convicting realization. This man is saying, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. We stole. The Bible tells us they were thieves, malefactors. In essence, that malefactor carries an understanding of one who does wrong. Now, listen, just because you do something wrong doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person. Right? How many of you got a, a problem wrong in school? In your algebra class, you was trying to solve for X and you got a number that wasn't even in the book. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it does mean you're wrong. So oftentimes we think that when it comes to salvation, that God is only saving bad people. No, God's saving people who are wrong. Who have not done and not obeyed the commands of God. That word malefactor doesn't mean just mean wrongdoer, it means evildoer as well. That man hanging on the cross said, I know exactly who I am. I've done wrong and I've done it on purpose. He said, I know why I'm here. But then he goes on to say in verse number 41, he said, but this man, speaking of Christ, had done nothing to miss. It's amazing. I don't, we don't know their, their personal history. I don't know if the Lord talked to them or spoke to them on the way to Calvary. There's no record there. I don't know this man's spiritual background, his religious upbringing. But it's somehow, in a matter of moments, hanging on a cross, moments of life left, he looks at the Lord and said, this man has done nothing amiss. He don't deserve to be here. He hasn't earned his spot here. He hasn't done wrong like you and I have. He said, but yet he's here and he's dying. There must be something more to this. There must be something more to this man that is in between us. 
He said, this man's done nothing amiss. That means the Lord never did anything out of order. That's how you, know, you and I know we are not the Lord. Amen. I, can, I, I, make, I, I can't make it through one day without getting things out of order. Amen. It's, a, it's chaos sometimes in my life. But here's the Lord. He said, he's done nothing amiss. He had the power to leave. He could have simply just pulled his hands off the cross, floated down to the ground, opened up the world, and swallowed everybody. But there he is, dying on the cross of Calvary. And this thief says, there's something different about that man. There's something different about it. He is not like you and I. He had a correct realization. Let me ask, are you willing to be honest about who you are so you can see who Jesus really is? There was an honest assessment. The notice number three, Excuse me, notice number two this morning. He made a heartfelt appeal. Verse number 42, and he said unto, said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. He had this, had this man waited any longer. He'd have been just like the other fella. He'd have missed out. Had he known, preacher, uh, crucifixion wasn't just mean to feel bad. It was to kill you. It's to be torturous. It was to be uh, excruciating, but the end result was death nonetheless. Had he waited for all the things that we have for an invitation, this man would have died without Christ. <laughs> he would have missed out. Could you imagine that? He, he calls out to the Lord and the Lord says, hey, stop. We're not on the 27th birth of amazing grace yet. Hey, uh, Lord, I need it. Stop, stop, stop. I did not ask, uh, I have yet to ask who, who saved and not to raise their hands. There's no piano playing. There's no music going. There's no invitation given. Rather, they're, all they've heard, all he's heard so far is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That man said, Lord, I don't know all the doctrines and the theology, and I don't know the, the ins and the outs of, of Christianity. He said, but Lord, if you could help me. Lord, I need help. Lord, if you really mean you can forgive me, Lord, would you remember me? <laughs> oh, I'm glad this morning there was a heartfelt appeal. And instead of waiting, he appeals to the Lord right then and right there. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. Don't put them off. Don't put them off this morning. We'll get into that in just a few seconds. But don't put them off this morning. Rather appeal to him. Notice he appealed to him as Savior. The Bible says in verse number 42, and he said unto Jesus, Jesus, well, that's that. That's his earthly name. That is the name that was given to Joseph to name the Lord. Well, what does it mean? And his name shall be Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Lord, if that's who you are, Jesus, help me. You died for my sins. You're dying for my sins. I believe uh, what you are going to do, or you, I, and that's he said, I believe that what you're about to do and that you're going to do what you said, you were going, you're really going to die for man's sin. You're going to pay the price. He appealed to him as Savior, but he also appealed to him as Sovereign. Lord, Lord, verse number 38, they put this inscription above the Lord in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. And here's what it said, the king of the Jews and so maybe that man had read that sign and said, hey, I, I mean, I know the king around here. I've seen the king. Yeah, that ain't him. 
There's got to be something different about it. But notice when he addresses him, he does not address him simply as, 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 as a king of a province in the earth, but rather when he addresses him as Lord, he's addressing him as the master, the sovereign, the God of all humanity. And he's saying, Lord, you're not just the king of the, he said, you're king of all of it. Jesus, you came to die for my sin. Lord, you're God of everything. The supreme authority, you have all power. Notice his, personal, his appeal was personal. <laughs> he tried to straighten out old buddy at the first time. He tried, he tried he, I think he was heartfelt. I think it was the, maybe the right step to do and he was trying to get him straightened out and when he realized I can't fix him, I gotta worry about myself. I gotta make sure everything is right between me and the Lord. Notice what he said right there in verse number 42 and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. Has that old song, it's me, O Lord, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. The Christian life is a personal life. <laughs> I didn't get saved with everybody else. The Lord saved me on a personal level. <laughs> he dealt with me on a personal level. And it was me crying out to him. His need was the only thing that mattered at that time. He said, I'm not asking for him no more. I'm not trying to straighten him out. Lord, I need help. Lord, would you rem remember me? His appeal was personal. It was to a sovereign. It was to a savior. And his appeal was specific. When thou comest into my kingdom, or into thy kingdom. Lord, I believe you have a kingdom. When you come into it, will you remember me? It's a beautiful when you begin to study that out. He's not asking for a whole lot. He's not even really asking to be in the kingdom. In essence, he was asking, Lord, when you go into your kingdom, your sign says king of the Jews, whenever that kingdom comes, will you just remember me? Will that be a pleasant thought in your memory, Lord? That, I wasn't the, that out of everybody that was here, I wasn't railing on you. I wasn't being mean to you. I believe that you are who you said you are, and I believe that you, you really do have a kingdom, and I, I believe that one day you're going to rule and you're going to reign, and, and in essence, he's trying his best to say, Lord, will you just remember me? I, I'm here doing and, 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 and going through what I deserve and, and how I've messed up the choice. I, he said, Lord, I know why I'm here, and I know you have a kingdom coming. Will you just remember me when you come? When you go into it, notice this, talk about faith. What he could see didn't match up with what he was saying. <laughs> I don't know if you've done much history, but that's not how you take over the throne. You don't die in that sense. You don't go through Calvary to take over a throne, but no, you, 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 you move in power and you move in authority. But here is Jesus dying on a cross. And this thief said, I believe you got a kingdom. I believe you will rule and reign one day. Now that we know our Bible is this point, we know that yes, the Lord's going to come back. Yes, he is going to reign. He's going to reign with authority. We're looking forward to that day. We're longing for that day. But here's this man with the little theology that he knows saying, Lord, if that sign's true, would you just remember me? Would you just remember me, Lord? Here's the thing this morning. Salvation isn't just recognizing who you are. Right? It does take honesty. You do have to admit that you're a sinner. You do have to admit that you've done wrong, that you've messed up, that you transgressed the law of God. But just as important as realizing who you are, it's realizing who God is, who Jesus is this morning. Salvation isn't just recognizing who you are, but who the Lord is to you. Let me ask you this morning. This man appealed to the Lord. In essence, he was saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I, I, I'm putting my faith in you. Let me ask you this morning, are you still trusting in yourself? Are you willing to trust Jesus this morning? He made a heartfelt appeal. 
He made an honest assessment. Then notice number three. He heard the Lord's answer. He heard the Lord's answer. Look at verse number 43. <laughs> what a situation. What a scenario. Imagine the pain, the suffering, the anguish. All that the Lord's going through. All that he's already been through. I heard one preacher say, this is how you knew God was more than just a man. A man would have been dead a long time ago. A man would have never made it to Calvary had he went through what Jesus did before Calvary. Most men would have never made it past the pillar of the scourging. Yet he's done that and he's carried his cross up a hill to Calvary. He's laid down his life. He's lost more blood than we could probably even imagine this morning. And yet there he is. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And to be honest with you, had it been me, I'd have been too worried about myself to hear anybody else's problems. I don't have time for you. I'm dying over here. I don't have time for you. My hands are nailed to the cross too. I don't have time for you. My, my feet are nailed to the cross too. They've planted a crown of thorns on my head. I don't have time for you. And yet this thief cries out, Lord, remember me when thou comest to my kingdom. And Jesus said, I got an answer for you. <laughs> Verse number 43, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me. In paradise. Well, you ever thought the Lord was too busy for you? Sometimes, preacher, I feel that way. Well, go read this over and over and over again until you realize if he wasn't too busy for him, he's not too busy for you. Notice this, the Lord heard him. How, how do you know that, preacher? Because he answered him directly. <laughs> he wasn't just speaking out broadly. To whoever it may concern, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, we do preach whosoever gospel I believe anybody and everybody can get saved by the grace of God. No matter where you came from, what color skin you are, how much money you make or don't make. Salvation's for everybody. But Jesus doesn't broadcast this statement broadly. It's not a to, to whomever it may concern, but rather he says, today thou shalt be with me. I'm speaking directly back to the man who just cried out to him. The Lord heard it. But notice the Lord's response when it was personal. Verily I say unto you, that word verily carries a wonderful understanding to it. But notice it was personal. It was promptly. Jesus said, hold on a second. I, I got to get some things situated first. I, I got I to, it's on my back and I got to get it scratched before I can deal with you. You don't have a certain tie on. How are you going to get saved? I'm not a Baptist writer, amen. I believe you can get, how do you know that preacher? Because I didn't get saved with a certain tie on. I had a t-shirt and I think a pair of shorts on. I don't remember. I know what I prayed though. <laughs> and I know the Lord saved me that day. Boy, if he can save you in a single white on a brown microfiber couch, he can save you anywhere, amen? I'm grateful for that this morning. But here, the Lord's response, it was personal. He said, verily I say unto you, it was prompt today. <coughs> the Lord said, you don't have to wait no longer. You don't have to, you don't have to get your life together. How are you going to do that? Hang on a cross. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Notice this, it was promising. When he said verily, I, I, had a, I, I was looking that up and this tells you how much Greek I don't know. That word verily in the Greek, you know how you pronounce it? Amen. <laughs> Literally how you pronounce it? Amen. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. Jesus said, Amen. <laughs> Preacher, what is amen? Let it be so. <laughs> Jesus said, good is done. Already happened. You'll be there. Verily, I, amen. 
Well, that'd be a good, the time the Lord said amen. It's promising, verily, with authority, surety, amen, thou shalt, without, with expectation, all no doubt. Don't, don't worry about that no more. That's all taken care of. You'll be with me to paradise today. It was personal, it was promptly, it was promising. That's why when we take people, and we, we take them down what's called the Romans row when they're asking about salvation and how does one get saved. That's why we take them to Romans 10, 9. Because salvation is not an uncertainty thing. It's a sure thing. It's a certain thing. How do you know that, preacher? Romans 10, 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that I've done wrong. And the Lord Jesus shall believe in that. Lord, I believe you died for me. I believe it was my sin that you paid on the cross of Calvary. Believe in that heart that God hath raised him from the dead. The Bible doesn't say, well, you might be saved. Or you could be saved. It says, thou shalt be saved. It's a, it's a, it's a, a phrase of authority. It's a phrase of certainty. And here the Lord is, <laughs> you ever heard of somebody trying to fight with one hand tied behind their back? Here's the Lord, both hands tied, nailed to a tree, feet nailed to a tree. He said, I still got all power. <laughs> He said, I, I didn't need those to save you. <laughs> I don't need my feet to get you out of this. He said, you simply by faith believe, and you did what was necessary. Therefore, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The Lord heard him. The Lord responds. Then notice the lasting results. I don't know how long this man lived, but I know this, he lived with peace. <laughs> man, here's, or you could say it this way, not only Brother Jacob did he die with peace, but what little life he had, he lived with peace. I could see that other one's mad. He ain't got me down from here yet. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. I wish he'd just get me down from here. Now, the Bible does tell us that the Lord died before both those men. I said he gave up the ghost when he, it was finished. And I could see this man over here say, well, I ain't got no hope now. I ain't got nothing to live for. I ain't got nothing to do no more. If he, he didn't get me down from here. I could see this man over here. Well, they should have put them crosses a whole lot closer together. I can see this man over here saying, huh? Oh, no, it's okay. He told me today I'm going to him, with him to paradise. Oh, it hurts. It's painful. Boy, I got a peace I can't even explain right now. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, you're missing out on it. You should have listened to him. You should have trusted him. Oh, yeah, he died with peace, but he lived with peace as well. But here's the thing. You say, oh, preacher, that's wonderful. That's great. I'll have that man's testimony. That I'll wait until the very end, preacher. And then right before I die, I'll do the same thing he did. I'll cry out to him. I'll call out to him. Right before I die, preacher, I'll do it. And I'll get saved by the grace of God. Think on the cross. Where he fits in on your the theology is very important. Because he busts up a lot of rules and regulations that are in the Bible. And he gives hope to a lot of people who don't have it. And here's the thing, but you can't say, I'll, I'll have the same, I'll wait until the end of my life. Because out of all the salvation experiences in your Bible, this is the only one that takes place at near death. This is the only one that takes place moments from somebody dying. Well, why is that? So, the, so we could know it is possible. But it's not probable. And it is possible, but it's not probable. How do you know that, preacher? Because just on the other side of Jesus was a man who was in the same position, in the same place, and chose to reject. Well, preacher, that's good odds, 50-50. Not when you can have 100%. How do you know, preacher? The Bible said today is the day of salvation. The Lord's doing your heart right now. I wouldn't push it away. 
I wouldn't wouldn't say, "I I don't need that. I don't want that. I'll just wait. But what if you forget in the midst of your waiting? What if you never realize? What if your pride does the same thing it did to that man and you miss your opportunity? Rather, I would take this man's testimony and say, if he can get in, then I can get in too. If God can save him, then God can save me as well. Today is the day of salvation. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, respond accordingly. If God could save him, he can save you too this morning. Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.